You are listening to the Startup Playground. Show where I invite entrepreneurs, startup founders, and game changers to talk about their success stories, learn from their mistakes, and hear about their interesting experiences. Hey, listener, this is your host, Elvis, and I am back behind the microphone to host another inspiring founder. But before introducing who is she, and yes, it's a female founder, let's Talk about those blue comfy jeans that you wore yesterday evening, today earlier, or maybe you are wearing ones right now. But eventually, those comfy jeans will get to the end of their lifespan and they will become textile waste. In 2014, over 16 million tons of textile waste was generated according to the Environmental Protection Agency. But the good news is that compared to other waste, this type of waste can be reused. Therefore, on this podcast episode, I have hosted someone who knows how to make textile waste into footwear. Today, in front of me, I have Lilia Dreyer, founder of Wear, a startup that is contributing to a circular fashion industry by utilizing textile waste to create sustainable, modern and unique sneakers for the cautious consumer. Hey, Lily. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Elvis. That was a long intro. Sorry for that. No, that's How fine. are you doing today? I'm really good, thanks. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. You know, uh, the, the autumn doesn't stop surprising us. And, uh, you know, Halloween. Do you like Halloween, by the way? Yes, I like Halloween. Uh... Do you celebrate it? No, not as much as I probably should. It's one of those... Yeah, things that, you know, if there's a party, I'll definitely go to it. But I haven't actually done too much about it, especially not this year. I'm a little bit too busy, unfortunately. I mean, I guess all of our entrepreneurs who want to succeed and make their passion into career are busy, right? Yes, very true. Next year, though, we're planning a big Halloween party. With all the startups. <laughs> cool. All the startups invited. Entrepreneurship. You are entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship is part of your life. So yes. what, does you, what does it mean to you? To be an entrepreneur? Yes. It means learning fast and doing everything all at once. And um, yeah, trying to figure everything out as you go. And, you know, taking a lot of risk and trying to do things that you might not, you know, you might not know what the end result will be, but you'll still try it uh, to test it. That's kind of my main experiences with entrepreneurship so far. How many years are you an entrepreneur? Only one or I guess it depends on like how you count like entrepreneurship and how long you've been an entrepreneur. But I would say like where probably started in January when we were accepted into a academic on this startup program. That's where I, yeah, that's when I start, started the entrepreneurial journey, I would say. Okay. And how do you like it so far? I really like it. I like it a lot. I think entrepreneurship is very much suited for me and who I am as a person and how I like to live. Three words that describes you as a person. You said huh? entrepreneur. <laughs> you said entrepreneurship yeah. uh, best fits you, as I understood, right? Yeah. So describe yourself in three words. Three words. Hmm. The first word that comes to my mind is creative. I would probably say creative and maybe caring and curious 
Creative, maybe. caring, and curious. Yes, maybe I'll change three, them if you ask me tomorrow. Oh yeah, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's cool. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> you know, recently I decided to implement something new. Yeah. You know, each of us, we entrepreneurs, we follow certain rules along the way, or you know, we listen to some other senior entrepreneurs that's yeah. already been in a in this entrepreneurial environment for a longer time than us. Meaning that I, you know, I want I want to ask you, or in this case, I'm asking every inch, each entrepreneur that I have to chance to meet or to talk to, yeah, about some of the rules that they follow. So I wanted to ask you, since you know you're an entrepreneur, what kind of rules do you follow? Yeah. So yeah, of course, you go to a lot of uh, different like workshops and classes and all these different things. I think, you know, the, I don't know if it's a rule, but kind of like the lean startup rule, we try to live by that, if you can say that, you know, like test as much as, as we can, like we, we should have probably tested even more, but I think uh, like testing and trying things out and, you know, doing things, even though you don't have the finished product, maybe, I think that's something we try a lot. For example, the workshops, like we did a trial workshop without having any experience with it, not really, you know, having a finished shoe that people could make. We just tried it and, you know, you learn so much from trying something, even though it wasn't maybe the intended, you know, experience that you wanted it if it was the finished version, but you still learn so much. So I think that's something we, a rule that we try to kind of implement in the way that we're doing things at Wear. I mean, we all learn something from all this, you know, experience and, and yeah. testing is, is a really important part of the brand as yours, yeah. I, I believe, because, you know, you have a physical product. Yeah. So in this case, you have to kind of test it. I mean, it's the same as, you know, virtual product, like an app or something, but yeah. but yours has to be like, so yeah. test, you test, can test. place warranty, you know. So it's oh, not yeah. like, so it's not like you know, destroys in, in a year or that's something true. like that, right? Yeah, that's true. But I guess it's, 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 it's testing in the, in the broader sense of like the concept oh. and, you know, is there a need for this product? Mm -hmm. Is it something that people want to buy? What are they willing to pay? How does it fit into their lifestyle right now? So testing everything. So I think it doesn't matter if it's a physical product or if it's a non-physical product, a service. I think testing, you can do it with everything. Agree totally with you. What could you tell me more about yourself? Myself. Um, Where are yes. you from? I am from Denmark, born and raised in Denmark. Uh, my mom is from China, so I'm half Chinese and half Danish. Yeah, I've I like I think if if I have to say something about myself, it's probably that I'm a complete sustainability nerd. I am very passionate about the environment and protecting it. I studied sustainability, entrepreneurship and design in London for my master's. Uh, and I know I, it's something that I want to work with no matter what. Maybe it's not going to be like in the entrepreneurial environment, you know, my whole life. But I know it's something that I'm probably going to work with forever. <laughs> if you already started, that you have some future vision for what you are creating? I think you're not going to just invest time, money, as you know, you're making physical products, shoes, yeah. and, and then you're like, okay, I don't care about it. And based on what you, I have read on your LinkedIn profile, you know, about yeah. all the sustainability and that you have also, as you mentioned, studied in London. Yeah. It feels like you really care yeah. about the nature and about, you know, the, the, the waste, the yeah. increase of the waste. So therefore you tackle the problem. Yeah. That's how I see. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people care. 
I think the reason why it's such a big part of my life now is also because I'm very optimistic that there's still time to do something and that's why I want to work with it as well because I think a lot of people care but it's it's going to be you know on the side of what they do and then they might have a job that is something completely different but they still care yeah I think for me it's it's the only thing that I think I could work with is to try to you know make a difference What are your life goals? Do you want to save the planet? Yes. Make everything super sustainable <laughs> and then and, and yeah. decrease the waste? Is that your life goals? Yeah. I think, you know, like on a, you know, if you look at it more like micro scale, it's probably like in the fashion industry that I want to tackle kind of a waste problem and contribute to a more circular fashion industry. On a bigger scale, yeah, saving the planet <laughs> said in a very broad sense. But yeah, it sounds weird saying it but i think that's probably my life goal to make like a positive impact you know every person has like a negative impact you know you consume products yeah you leave a negative footprint most likely and i think i would i want to try to kind of make a positive impact instead and make it easier for other people to make a positive impact i and think that's should. very important as well you should that's important so yeah. we start caring about the world If you remember a couple of years ago, I don't know because I moved here eight years ago. Yeah. Climate change just kind of started already. Yeah. But back when I was living in Latvia, I remember that there were snow and different, you know, times of the year. Yeah. But now it's like autumn and winter is like in one and then spring and summer is like we only have two yeah. seasons. Yeah, it's scary. And it's kind of scary, you, you know. The, yeah. Then you start thinking about what the, what our kids can, you know, experience in their yeah. when they're going to be little, you know. Tell me about your driving forces of becoming an entrepreneur. I think, you know, I've always, or not maybe not always, but I think for a long time I've had kind of like an, a wish of becoming an entrepreneur. Like it hasn't always been about uh, sustainability. I've always, like since I was little, been interested in like, fashion i watched project one way and wanted to start my own clothing brand and you know as i became more and more aware of the issues that are in the fashion industry and how polluting it actually is i think i realized that if i wanted to do something within the fashion industry it had to be with sustainability in mind and trying to make a difference so yeah i think i think the driving force is both like a personal motivation of you know the the thing of being an entrepreneur being independent creating something new making a difference and then also the driving force of having you know seeing a problem and wanting to do something about that when the, when is the first time you saw the problem basically the first time i probably saw the problem was when um i wasn't that old i think i was maybe let's like 15 or something uh, i got my first sewing machine And I started to sew and my dad had a friend from school. I think she was the main person responsible for buying the different collections for Magazine. And she had like this huge bag of textile waste. Uh, so like samples from different swatches from different fabrics that she just gave to me. And I was, you know, I was amazed. You know, what is this? Like beautiful, beautiful fabrics. And these would have just been thrown out if she hadn't saved them and given them to me. So I think... That was kind of my first realization that, you know, textile waste exists. How old were you? I don't know, maybe 15, maybe even younger. I think it was while I was watching Project One Way and becoming very inspired by, you know, sewing and making things on my own. 
You know, while I'm listening to you, I was like think, thinking, like you know, we 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 spoke about the fashion, and then you spoke about your um, roots, where it's coming a little bit from, and yeah. If I'm not mistaken, you must know as a female person <laughs> into fashion. Also, <laughs> do you know this uh, fashion icon? I'm not sure is she fashion icon Yoko 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 Ono. Yes, is yes. she a fashion icon? Yes, probably. Because I, I I know I have heard it from my sister, from my mother. You know, yeah. Her name, I know that they are into fashion. So I thought, like, is she uh, really? She probably is. Yeah, I think her main like thing is is like she's an artist. Like she does like mm-hmm. art mm-hmm. exhibitions. I know she did one at Louisiana. I think. Um, okay. Yeah, and I guess you know she was really famous because she was John Lennon's wife slash girlfriend. Not mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, but I think she has really cool style. Like she walks around in, I think she wears a lot of suits, at least like the yeah, pictures yeah. I've seen. She has quite a unique style. So I think you could definitely say that she's a fashion icon. So finally, after all these years, you now know. I, I find out <laughs> yeah. who is this person. <laughs> yeah. Now I would like to know more about the wear company, you know. Yeah. It seems very interesting. But when I look at it, I have some relations to other brands. Yeah. We can speak a little bit later about it. Yeah. But first of all, I would like to know, how did you come up with this idea in a, such a saturated market with footwear, you know, yeah. when I go around? How yeah. did you come up with this particular idea of wear? Yeah. I think it's, you know, like, as I said, I've been sewing quite a lot and sewing with textile waste and, you know, realizing how much textile waste there is and that's being generated every single second. I kind of was intrigued of kind of like the business opportunities in this textile waste and how we can use it in a better way. So I think that's always been in the back of my head. And then upcycling is something, is basically what I've been doing. And I know there's a lot of clothing brands, not a lot, but some clothing brands, some brands that are doing bags from textile waste. But I didn't really see shoes. And at the same time, I think it was a very personal issue that I wanted to you know, I wanted to buy some shoes myself and I tried to look, I, I searched for so long for sustainable sneakers and I couldn't find any. So I ended up basically giving up and, and couldn't buy any sustainable sneakers. And from there on, I was like, maybe you can use textile waste to make sustainable sneakers. And I think it actually, it fits very well because sneakers are at the moment quite unsustainable. Uh, they use a lot of toxic glues. They use a lot of different materials a lot of plastic materials so it's it's very difficult to recycle so they have quite a a big footprint and at the same time they're not really you know I didn't want to make a product that you could just go out and buy secondhand and I feel like shoes is definitely or it's not always but a lot of people want to buy shoes that are new so I think shoes was kind of like a it was not a given but I think I saw it as kind of like an interesting opportunity also because shoes are more complex than making, for example, a dress or something. So I think, yeah, that's where it came. And then I, you know, developed it further. In the beginning, it was just like, you know, a floating idea in my head, together with a lot of other floating ideas. And then I studied, you know, in London. I met a guy called Stepan, who studied at the same course with me. And he also had an idea of sustainable sneakers. He wanted to make biodegradable sneakers. And then we kind of got together and we developed the idea further and, you know, we went to some competitions with the idea and that's kind of how it all started. And then I wrote my thesis about it. And, you know, in the end, it it wasn't just an idea, you know, it was actually something we had a lot of research behind. We had some, you know, we tested it, we did 
a lot of different stuff. So I think it was from there on, it was easier to move on and actually start a, starting a business around that idea. So would you say that your idea started from dissertation? Mm, I would probably say that the idea was already there before the dissertation, mm -hmm. but the dissertation really helped me like collecting so much more knowledge. Like it gave me the time that I needed to kind of really go in depth with this uh, subject of like fashion upcycling and textile waste and really qualifying the idea, I would say. How many shoes do you have at home? Of my own shoes or yeah, shoes yeah. that I, mean, I made? Your, your own shoes. I actually don't have that many. I probably have much less than the average person. I think I have three pairs. I have like rubber boots. I have two pairs of sneakers and my sandals are broken. So yeah, it's not that many. You know, I, I like to wear them until they're completely broken and all my friends can agree with that. That um, yeah, I rarely buy new things. Okay, no, it's just I, I <laughs> thought about this question since you were in footwear and yeah. then I can out the balloon. Yeah, it's funny because some of my friends, I have a really good friend that's, uh, she's a big sneaker enthusiast and has a lot of different sneakers, but I've never been really a sneaker enthusiast who have a lot of sneakers. I love sneakers and I think they're awesome, but of course there's always the thing with like overconsumption, like I think you should buy what you need. So I kind of have a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a bet, but me and my co-founder, we've said to each other that we won't buy new shoes until we have wear shoes that are ready to wear. And then we will have them and wear them. <laughs> and if, I, if it's not a secret, when is going to be the first shoes available for public? Um, so we just went uh, to visit manufacturers in Portugal, which was super exciting. Uh, so I think we're getting closer and closer And they will then develop a sample, which is a shoe that you can actually wear. So I guess that would be the first one. And then we're hoping that we can launch maybe a Kickstarter campaign quite soon. Or it doesn't have to be Kickstarter, but some kind of crowdfunding campaign to test the market. And then maybe we can launch in the beginning of spring next year or during spring at least next year. That would be like the, the, the real so, launch. So the shoes that I saw the first time we met in... Um entrepreneurial day in yeah. cps yeah was only the prototype yeah i'm not even sure if i should call it a prototype or like a prototype it's just you know I've, i've been sewing them at home because i know that when i say you know i want to make shoes from textile waste people get like a big question mark over their head and they don't really know what to expect and everyone expects something different so by actually being able to show something i think that makes a huge difference and I guess that's kind of like the lean idea as well. Like it's, you know, and design thinking, you know, build a prototype, build something, even though it, it might not even look like a real shoe, you know, just build something and then you can show it to people and then you get like much more qualified replies in terms of like, what do they think? Okay. So uh, how many types of footwear do you have at the current moment? Um, so yeah, of course, right now we, we only have prototypes, but I think, you know, we want to launch, uh, both like a, a normal sneaker. So, you know, one with laces and that looks like a normal sneaker. And then we want, uh, a, another model that's more like a slip on sneaker. And then we also really want to do sandals. Sandals are a little bit easier to make. They're not as complex, which means that people can actually make them themselves. So we really want to, um, also include customers in the in the process of designing and making the shoes uh, sneakers are probably going to be you know in the future because it's quite difficult to make sneakers at the moment we need 
some equipment, but sandals, I think hopefully we'll be able to launch like a workshop where people can make their own sandals and not too long, probably after our launch of the sneakers. But I think that's a, that's an idea that really has a, that could have like a huge potential. So it's three. Yeah, I would probably say two. And then the third one is in the pipeline. Okay. So three types of shoes, basically. Let's say, I mean. Yeah, let's just say three. Let's aim. Let's say three yeah. and aim higher, <laughs> Take right? Take the highest. Yeah. Okay. When I was, you know, when I was checking those shoes, the ones that is uh, illustrated on your homepage. Yeah. Wear, sustainablewear.com. Yes. I kind of was thinking at my mind, you know, like what basically are these footwears meant for? Part of the day I am, can wear so I can, you know have them for a longer time exactly because you know if i compare to like i'm not saying it's a competitor but you know later on i'm gonna mention yeah. tom's shoes yeah they're okay i had like a uh, fabric uh, textile shoes as yeah. they usually do yeah and they were for roughly two years okay you know but yeah. of course i didn't wear them in in winters or yeah. autumns but you know in summer so it's like two seasons so that's why i, I kind of was wondering you know to ask you since yeah. you know you're all in the similar industry how long basically are you guaranteeing the wear of you know like yeah of course it's it's difficult to say like how long we can guarantee especially since we don't have a sample yet but as soon as we have a sample we will get it tested so we can see if it kind of lives up to the standards and you know there's no point in trying to make a sustainable product if it only lasts for like half a year you know, it needs to last minimum as long as conventional sneakers. We would love for them to actually last longer. Yeah, and I think the wear scenarios is probably, you know, office, uh, street wear. There probably won't be too useful in, you know, two meters deep snow, but they should be fine, you know, maybe even all year round. So basically it's for casual wear. It's not Casual like, wear, can, yeah. Can I use it for like sports? I probably wouldn't use it for sports. Okay, so it's casual wear. Yeah. Also, wear. because for like uh, for sports, you need like different ergo like ergonomics, which are probably put in a normal running shoe, but not in like a normal sneaker. Fair enough. It's just I was wondering. Yeah, you know, yeah. Maybe it's always like it's like shoes are very interesting, and in, you know how you how you actually construct the shoe and what is needed if you want to make it a sports shoe and what is needed if you want to make it a regular shoe. And the thing is right now that with sports shoes, you know, in general with sports wear, we are, you know, requiring a lot of things. We are expecting a lot of things. We're expecting it to be, you know, anti-sweat, super ergonomic, you know, supporting the way we run, so many things. And, and that kind of just puts a lot of requirements on what the fabric is uh, supposed to be able to do, like the properties, which often unfortunately leads to quite unsustainable uh, solutions because it's often plastic-based, often a lot of different properties, often treated with a lot of different chemicals. Yeah, but it's, it's very interesting and I hope at some point that it's possible to make like a super sustainable sports sneaker. That could be awesome. Since we are talking and you mentioned some, you know, like different uh, issues in textile waste and, you know, the production of different shoes. Yeah. I wanted to talk with you about the competitors that I, when I was doing some research about textile footwear. Yeah. And then I also was thinking what type of shoes made of textile I've been wearing in my past, such as Tom's, as yeah. I mentioned before. Yeah. I also have listed down 
the one of the competitors I thought it's Tom's, the other one is Superga, and the third one is Vance. You know, yeah. all of them kind of create footwear made of textile. Yeah. There's also leather type of footwear, but you know, they also have focused also more onto textile waste. Yeah. So I want to ask you, why should I as a consumer choose your brand or these type of brands? What is that <laughs> that differentiates you from the competitors? I yeah. mean, I understand you are smaller and they are bigger yeah. in a in global scale, but still, you know. Hopefully the sustainability and I think also the, you know, I think our aesthetics are going to be quite cool, if I should say so myself. Like, you know, every every um, shoe brand has like a different aesthetic and you know, every person has an individual style that they like. So some people like Tom's shoes, some people like the Vans, you know, and we want, you know, we're a different opportunity. So we don't want people, you know, we want people also to choose it because they think the sneakers are really cool. So that's definitely also, you know, one of the the purpose. But then again, you know, if, if people are like me and like I know a lot of different, you know, people who are kind of expecting more from their you know the products they buy not just food and not just you know other goods but also you know the shoes that they wear so i think if you're looking for that then i think hopefully that our sneakers will kind of live up to that and at the same time you don't have or that's at least our goal that you don't have to compromise on other things such as you know the price and the style and and how long you have to search in order to be able to find uh, sustainable sneakers are you also thinking because all of these brands that I mentioned before? Yeah. And I haven't asked you also the question because I was also wondering now. Yeah. Have you thought about going into like retail stores or how you're going to, you know, get those yeah. footwear to the consumers? To the consumer. I think retail stores is a very interesting subject when it comes to entrepreneurship. Like when you have physical products because I think in the beginning, the, the, the goal was definitely to be available in a lot of different retailers because that's where I go as a consumer. I go to a shoe shop and I try to find some shoes. And I think that's where we need to be available. Like that's where the sustainable options need to be available. So it's easy for people to choose sustainable sneakers over conventional sneakers. But at the same time, there's a problematic in the terms that retailing, you know, going with retailers kind of increases the price that the consumer has to pay because you're adding one more link. That link is most likely going to put a pretty big um, markup. Exactly. So yeah, it's it's kind of like it. It I think it's going to depend on what our production price is going to be, if it allows us to also go through retailers or not. But it's very very interesting, and I think at least. You know, it might not be in first round, but at least, you know, in the future, we definitely want to be available in retailers. So basically, you currently don't know yet what is the going to be the production cost for for no. The, we we have some uh, we have some kind of suggestions, but it, it's very difficult for the the manufacturers to give us like a an estimate because this is such a different way to make shoes. You're using textile waste instead of just using big rolls of fabric. You know, you're using small pieces or, you know, things that are already sewn into, you know, jeans or something. So it's it's very different. Uh, so it's difficult for them to kind of give an estimate, but they will be able to say more when they have done the first sample. If I may ask, yeah, why uh, you decided to manufacture the shoes in Portugal instead of moving into China where maybe the production cost could be lower? Mm, I think Portugal was kind of a 
you know, in the beginning, we were quite open to manufacturing different places, but we knew that we wanted to keep it within Europe. And then Portugal, like I started doing research and trying to figure out like, where could we find, you know, uh, manufacturers that would be willing to work with us? And we found some in different countries. We found some in Poland and we found some in, you know, Czech Republic. We found some Italy, many different places, but actually only very few were kind of open, like in terms of working with us because they all said, or not all of them, but some, some didn't answer and some said, you know, you shouldn't do this. Like you shouldn't work with textile waste. You know, we can't do that. Yeah, so I guess in the end, it kind of came down to one, doing it somewhere where we know there's kind of an, a semi-established footwear industry, which there definitely is in Portugal, and someone who had like a sustainability profile and wanted to work with someone who's trying to do something new. I mean, you have to do what is better for the consumers and, and you as a brand, you know. Exactly. But it's always it's always going to be difficult to try to do something in a new way that kind of challenges the way that things are being done currently because they have their ways of doing things and when you then come in and tell them oh i want you to make x you know pairs of shoes probably not that many in terms of how much they're already making and then i say oh but you have to change this and this and this and this you know that's going to be difficult for a startup so i'm quite lucky that these two uh, manufacturers that i found that they're actually willing to work with us but that's exciting journey you're having, you know, finding all these missing parts that you need to make your dream into reality. Yeah, it's very exciting. So that's, it's the fun part of being entrepreneur, you know, and solving all these yeah. obstacles. Definitely. You know, when I was reading about the textile waste and I knew there are huge numbers of textile waste, yeah. if I'm thinking myself, you know, I also sometimes wear jeans for like, what, five, ten years maybe? Because, you know, maybe they are good, maybe they haven't been, you know, having holes or something. Or maybe, you know, I just don't want to throw them out because they are close to me. Yeah. That also happens sometimes, you know. Yeah. And I was reading about the textile waste and how much gets basically recycled, how much gets to landfill, composted or, you know, sent back into production. Yeah. And since, you know, you are, an, I will call you an expert into textile <laughs> waste recycling. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, how do you determine what is good and what is bad? That is a very difficult thing to do. Like right now, the technology isn't that developed that we can just, you know, send it through a machine and then the machine can tell you, oh, this is good, this is bad. So right now, most of the things are happening by hand. So people are actually standing and looking at the different, you know, um, jeans and the different T-shirts and then they are evaluating whether it's good enough or not good enough to be reused or recycled or whatever the purpose is. Right now, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's done by hand, done by people. So you want to say that in all this you know, technology era of you know, artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and everything, in an in industry, as you know, recycling textile waste, yeah. you're still is a human involvement. There's no like machines who is saying like, okay, this is good, this is bad. Yes, I would definitely say that we, you know, the technology has come quite far, but the problem is that the the amounts are so huge that it's difficult, you know, imagine like a rolling band with so many pieces of clothing lying on top of each other. And if you look at in like in the label of your clothes and you look what the what the components are, you will most likely find that it's a mix, that it's a mix of polyester and a mix of cotton. And how, how do you, you know, how do you treat that when you have a piece of clothing that's a mix? 
How do you then separate them so you have one thing for cotton recycling and one thing for polyester recycling? It's impossible. And that's why the problem is, you know, it's both at the end of the lifespan, but it's definitely also in the beginning that the designers and the people who are making the clothes, they need to think about what do we put in this so we make it as easy, recyclable at the end of its lifespan. And that's not happening too much at the moment, which makes the job really difficult in the other end. We do have technology that can make it happen, but not in a large enough scale. And not, you know, so it be it would be commercially available. Very interesting subject, by the way. It's it's super interesting. I have never thought about it like so in depth as you just explained. But yeah. but when you explain and when you hear it from you, yeah. And I'm not even like it's it's like it's such a big topic that it's impossible to get in depth. But I think also that it's it's super interesting to see that you know, yeah, as you say, like in this era where we have so much technology and we can do so many cool things, we're still standing and you know sorting clothing by hand. And you know, there's a lot of different solutions that could be implemented. Some people are talking about sewing like a little tag inside the clothes that could tell you what components that are in it, or like a, that it would be kind of like a not a QR code, but like a thread that you could actually read. So when it goes through the machine, it knew where to, you know, to sort it to. There's a lot of interesting uh, solutions, but nothing that has been like rolled out in like a huge scale yet. You can be the first. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, it's, it's a very complex problem because just think about how many players there are in the market. It's crazy. It is, truly is. I agree with you, Lily. And now I would like to talk about some of the things that a lot of startups face, yeah. you know, meaning obstacles. You yeah. know? Some of the startups, they fear this, but, you know, some of the startups, they accept it and they say like, yeah, it's a good thing. Mm. Some things, some startups say it's not a good thing because, you know, it tests your strength or, you know, weaknesses in a yeah. company. So in this case, what are the biggest obstacles within your startup since, you know, you're in this textile waste among the big giants of footwear and everything? I think, you know, there there are a lot of challenges and I think, you know, most of them I'm actually, as you say, you know, seeing them as a good thing. You know, it's, you know, it's something that we learn from and, but I think the biggest challenge is probably the fact that, you know, this is something completely new. This is something that has been done by very few. Which means that the industry is not really, you know, the manufacturers, they they don't really know how to handle this. So you kind of have to like kick in so many doors. And, you know, if you just made normal shoes, you would be able to find suppliers like this. Like, you know, in an instant, you could just go to Alibaba and you will find insoles and laces and everything very cheap. Where this is kind of like we have to do quite intense search to actually be able to find like sustainable suppliers for all the different materials we need. And then one thing I think is also, you know, when you want to make it, you know, a truly sustainable product, it's like, how do you know? How do you know what is sustainable and what is not sustainable? You know, maybe I find four different sole suppliers and I ask them, like, are you able to send me any like quantitative data on the environmental impact? And everyone says no. It can be quite difficult to know what is the most sustainable option and kind of weighing those against each other and you know then there's other factors such as price and you know it's it's all like a big puzzle that kind of has to be connected in the end so i guess the biggest challenge is to kind of make a product that is affordable and that is scalable so you know something where we can make more than just one and more than just a hundred 
you know it's 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 a it's a in, challenge in, in an unutilized market exactly that's, you know find product market fit and you know excite customers yeah i think it's a, it's a very interesting challenge but it's it's also it's also difficult because sometimes it feels like you're kind of like wandering around blindfolded because you don't really know all the factors there's a lot of unknown unknowns which makes it challenging and also with the textile waste you know it's not like you can just search in a database and then you find all available textile waste it's often something that is hidden you can't really see it so you have to really dig deep to be able to find sources of textile waste that you can use you know different factories don't want to tell everyone oh we have you know 100 tons of textile waste uh, la 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 it's not really happening actually like one cool thing is that here in copenhagen there's a challenge called the circular textile challenge that we are a finalist for and they have actually gone out and say we have a problem we burn incinerate 750 tons of textile waste per year i think it was not completely sure but i think it was per year and then they said you know we have i don't remember the exact numbers but like 30 tons of trousers that are going to incinerate like that are being incinerated each year so i think that's really cool that they're actually you know they're standing and they're telling people this is how much textile waste we have now come with your solutions to this do you get goosebumps when you hear all these facts that people are just burning the textile and you know they're not contacting such <laughs> as you i think you know i think no because i i get it you know i, I understand why because you know when you're a company and you have this textile waste, you know, it's not easy enough for you to find another way that you can use it better than just incinerating. And incinerating is easy, you know, it's, most of the time is you can do it for free, where if you have to find another solution for it, you have to use time, resources, most likely also money. So it makes sense. So we need more solutions. So it, it becomes an easy choice for them not to incinerate, but to actually reuse, recycle, or whatever solution is possible what is the best solution you think <laughs> there like there is a hierarchy like uh, the waste management hierarchy that kind of shows what is the best solution so it's always about using as as little resources as possible so the best solution is definitely reuse so or the best best version is to make the life span of the garment longer and after that when it then reaches end of life it's reuse so given it another use but there are textile waste that you cannot reuse, like something that is broken. You know, people don't want to buy something that's broken or scraps from a factory. You know, you can't put that on your, you know, use it as a T-shirt. And for that, I think upcycling is uh, the best opportunity. And that's what we're trying to do. But we would never use, you know, like a, if there's a dress that's, you know, perfectly fine, we would never use that for upcycling. It, it has to be reused instead. Interesting. So the hierarchy is important to, you know, consider. But the most, you know, the best thing, and that's what circular economy is all about. It's about, you know, we need to design products so they're meant to be recirculated. And, you know, thinking that whole thing into it. And, you know, hopefully in the future we can just, you know, throw it in the ground and then it will compost. Grow. Yeah, grow and turn into, into a flower. cotton trees. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. For brighter future. Yeah. <laughs> Also, when I was uh, checking where homepages and social media that you are posting some of the things. Yeah, we try to. We're not I, the best, but we, <laughs> we try. I also, saw, I also saw one interesting thing that not only you produce or thinking to sell the footwear, 
but also you do something called Wear Workshop that I understood as a workshop, but I, I wanted to kind of you to tell me, what yeah. is Wear Workshop? So I think the workshops is, um, you know, a big part of the idea. So basically my thesis pointed towards some issues with upcycling. So upcycling is not something that is being done by a lot of companies because there are some issues, like one of them being that it doesn't fit within the normal way of manufacturing. Another one is that it often becomes quite costly because there's a lot of steps before. Like if you have a pair of jeans, then you have to cut them off, up, you might have to wash them before. And that makes the, you know, the end result, it might actually be more expensive, even though the textile waste is free. So a solution to that is workshops or in general, what they call it is like social manufacturing so that you involve the consumers in the actual making of the product. So that's what we want to do with the workshops. We want to give people the opportunity to become a part of it and also, you know, create awareness about textile waste. So they come in and they see and they touch the actual textile waste and hopefully they get amazed of, you know, like how did, why is this textile waste? This is like perfectly good quality, you know, and we can use this to make like a really cool bag or shoes. Hopefully like the, the goal is to make shoes, but right now we're making, you know, bags and tops and like different products from textile waste. So that's kind of the idea. It's very much in the beginning phases, but you know, like lean startup, we're, we're testing it, we're trying it, we're getting a lot of good insights and we're building, you know, kind of a community already. Uh, and that's really cool. I think it's a great idea, Lily, that, Thanks. you know, you tell me that uh, about this textile ways and that actually consumers, they can put their hands on of something that they will wear in the future. Exactly. Right? So it's kind of like... It's closer to themselves because they have made it exactly. in their own hands. Yeah, and that probably increases the lifetime of the, you know, the product that they make because they get the personal connection. So that's an important part of it as well. Totally agree with you. And now I would like to talk about the future because, you know, it's, it's all wonderful that you are doing right now. But, you know, we all have to think about the future, right? yeah. you know, because, <laughs> you know, the future is coming. So I want to ask you, what are the plans for wear in the future? Is there any other types of closings that you are thinking to offer? Yes, I think like right now it's not really on the, you know, on the board. <laughs> you know, it's not something that we're thinking actively of doing right now. But I think it's definitely something, you know, I think the big idea is to prove upcycling, you know, upcycling of textile waste and proving the fact that it can be scalable, that it can be profitable, and that it can be, you know, something that people really want. So kind of proving the whole business model of doing, you know, social manufacturing with workshops and doing standardized products. You know, we want to prove that. And right now we're doing it with shoes, but, you know, I think it could be really cool to prove it with other types of products in the future as well. About the workshop before, I'm sorry that I'm kind of getting back to the workshop. No, I didn't ask fine. you, like, how is the grouping happening in these workshops for example yeah. if i myself want to sign up yeah tell me how can i you know yeah like so far it's just been done like very simply like we've been we had one with um with the salvation army redesign and we had one with uh, something called the garment department which is a sustainable fashion store and then we had one with a library here on ama um so it's just you know finding you know places where we can use their facilities or facilities <laughs> where we can use their you know the room for free and 
yeah, so that's kind of been it. And that, of course, puts kind of a limitation on how many people that can be there. For the first ones we had, there could be five for each. And then we had one where there could be eight. But yeah, I think in the future, it could be really cool to have somewhere there's like 30 people, you know, when we get bigger spaces uh, where we can make like a bigger workshop. I think that could be, that would be the goal. It seems very interesting concept, Lily. I'll totally agree again. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's, I'm and glad you think that. That's know cool. why, right? Yeah. But, you know, we start, I mean, personally, me, I start, you know, and I long, go along the way of entrepreneurship, facing different obstacles, challenges, and having some good and bad days in the startup. And then you kind of start thinking back, you know, what can reflect on the things that you've been passed through, you know? So therefore, I want to ask you, if you had a chance to start all over again, you know, like rewind all this a year, turn back to when you were 15, when you first started having the passion for yeah. textile. <laughs> if you had to start all over again, what would you do differently? So right back to, you know, right if I could back, go back to... Yes, right back to long when ago. you were 15. 15. Uh, yes, uh, what would I do? I guess, you know, like, you know, you need to have time to be, you know, now it sounds like I'm super old, but, you know, you need to have time to be young as well and like enjoy, you know, then I was in, was I in high school? Yeah, you know, you need to enjoy high school and university and those things as well. But I think, you know, like getting more involved earlier, you know, I use textile waste, but I think I've always, like, as I said, I'm quite like a curious person. So I've always been involved in a lot of different things, you know, always. I've been playing football for a lot of years and I think that's been taking, you know, quite a lot of my time as well. And I do not regret that at all. But I think maybe, you know, focusing on something you're really interested in. And I knew I was interested in fashion and I knew I was interested in textile waste. And, you know, already there starting to kind of like accumulate knowledge as soon as you can, you know, read everything you can and, you know, listen to all the podcasts you can about the subject. Because I think, you know... I'm quite happy with what I know now, but I think, you know, the sooner you start with, you know, being an expert in your field, uh, the better. And the sooner you start expanding your network, you know, I'm, I'm quite surprised of how fast my network has kind of expanded within this year that I've been an entrepreneur. It's completely crazy. And I don't even see myself as a person that's good at networking. But it just, you know, when, when you're interested in what you're doing and when you're really passionate and you meet other people that are passionate about the same thing, or entrepreneurship in general, it just, you know, your network just explodes really fast. So I feel like if, if I started with that before, you know, maybe even more opportunities would have arised by now. As one of the entrepreneurs, you said that, you know, your network expands so fast. I felt like, you know, one of the entrepreneurs I spoke the other time, she told me that, you know, we are like brothers and sisters. We're fighting for the same thing, you know, and... <laughs> And it's important, and I totally agree with that, that you, it's important to support each other, yeah. no matter, you know, maybe you're a bigger company and somebody's smaller company, but you know, even the bigger companies, they were in a step zero, you know, and they started it. So yeah. maybe they can, you know, help the smaller ones to achieve the same. Yeah, so. I think, I think that's definitely true. And I think we need to kind of support each other more. And I like... A goal of mine is definitely to like throughout this whole thing, like we never know how long where is going to last. But if we at some point like crossing our fingers, like hope that it will become, you know, like a 
a player in the field, like hopefully even a big player in the field, like that we will continuously be open towards, you know, people seeking knowledge of like circular and sustainable fashion and partnerships and all these different things and not just be like, now we know everything, now we are the superior part. I think that will never happen. And I think as soon as you kind of close off to the surrounding world, it becomes a problem. Yeah. So I think that's definitely a goal because now we've been on the other side of the table. You know, we've been trying to, you know, go out to bigger companies and ask them, like, how would you do this? And, you know, a lot of the times they've just been like, nope, we don't want to do that. And yeah, I just know that I don't want to end up being a company that just smacks the door and like startups faces. So now you have your time, you know, to tell because you've been in a in this entrepreneurship and building up and facing a bigger companies and now you can reflect on those experiences. I wanted to ask you, you know, as I ask every other entrepreneur yeah. that they can reflect on their past and suggest to the future entrepreneurs or the ones who are already in the business. Yeah. Some of the maybe key activities or recommendations as you, yeah. you know, what you have experienced and what you think that have helped you yeah. to achieve the goals with uh, the where. Yeah. I think for for us, it's been, um, you know, in the beginning, it was just me, but it was actually only two months that it was just me. And then I went to an event that was called like find your co-founder or something. And I was so close to not going because I was like, oh, maybe people are not going to like the idea. Maybe I'm just going to sit alone afterwards and no one is going to come talk to me. But then I was like, okay, let's just try it. And I went to it and I found my co-founder Amrai. And I found three advisors to my advisory board. So I think in general, like a, a, a tip from that is to, you know, stay open to opportunities, like be out there where things happen. And, you know, if, you know, if you have a good idea, you know, things will naturally kind of come your way. If you seek the opportunity, like nothing will, hap will happen if you just sit at home and just expect everything to come like falling down into your lap. And then I think that kind of ties well with, you know, getting a team. As you mentioned before, it's not necessarily like a team, you know, people who are, you know, working full time on the idea, but just having people like it can be coaches, it can be advisors, it can be co-founders or just team members because they help you, like they keep you responsible for something. I think if I would have just been alone through this, I might have already given up. Like having someone that I know they're counting on me to do this by next week, I think is super important. Yeah. And it and it can also be, you know, signing up for competitions and, you know, doing different things that kind of keeps you accountable all the time. Because I think it's very easy to quit as an entrepreneur. Like everything is screaming for you not to be an entrepreneur. Like you have to earn money, you have to get a real job, you know, all these different things. Um, so it's easier to just turn around. But all of those things that kind of keeps you accountable helps you when it's like difficult times to kind of stay on track. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, sometimes I also have the same thoughts and, you know, negative thoughts. Yeah. There's like, why should I do this? I have my main job. But, you know, then you're kind of like, yeah, but I have passion for something. Yeah. I have dreams. I want something exactly. better out of what I am right now. Yeah. And as a lot of entrepreneurs, when I have, have hosted before, they have mentioned that they want to be a better version of themselves. You know, it's not like they are bad at the current stage, but, you know. I believe that entrepreneurship, it makes us into a better person or into a better version of ourselves, not like we are worse or bad. Yeah, <laughs> I think it at least makes us into 
yeah maybe actually a better or it makes us you know fulfill what we want to do you know i'm not saying that if you have a regular job that you don't do that because you can find an amazing job where you do exactly what you want to do but at least as an entrepreneur you know that this is kind of something you're passionate about and you're like you're trying to make it happen and like no matter what you're going to learn so much i think like the learning what you learn during a very short time span being an entrepreneur is insane like it's worth so many years of being on the school bench i would say it is yeah you know lily i have very interesting conversation with you right now i found out a lot of things about textile waste and (laughs) then a lot of things about footwear and generally about you as a person and where you came from and we are also like kind of running to the end of this lovely conversation unfortunately yeah. <laughs> don't be sad <laughs> that's okay i will i will survive but before we kind of wrap it up i wanted to recap some of the things that have been speaking about yeah so and you are allowed me to fix me okay if you think that i said something wrong <laughs> yeah i will so who we had today today we had lilia dreyer the founder of startup called where a startup that is contributing to circular fashion industry by utilizing textile waste to create sustainable, modern and unique sneakers. What do we know about Lily? So she's 23 years old, started her passion or she started the journey when she was 15, a love <laughs> for textile waste. Some of the things that describes her as an entrepreneur and as a human <laughs> is creative, caring and curious. As we mentioned in the beginning, the three C's of Lily. Some of the things that she said that uh, entrepreneurship means for her is learning fast and learning along the way because you never can know everything, you know, and you have to learn new things. We are not uh, encyclopedia or we are not Google, so we know we need to find out things that we don't know about. Talking about where. The first shoes will be available, hopefully, in the upcoming spring. And uh, mainly the wear shoes are meant for casual wear, not for sports. Hopefully, maybe in sports later, you know. (laughs) Who knows? Let's have a sustainable footwear in sports also. Some of the obstacles that you have faced in this textile industry were that it's completely new. It hasn't been around for many years yet. It's hard to find manufacturers and sustainable suppliers and it's hard to find textile waste you know it's not like every company wants to give you away textile waste just like you know just like that or at least they don't want to say that they have the textile waste i think if you get to talk to them i think most of them would be very willing to give you that textile waste but it's all about you know finding those right sources of textile waste that could be difficult yeah let's make uh, textile google Yeah, actually, there are some startups that are working on that. I don't think there's one that's actually made, you know, a full functioning platform yet. But some are working on making like a map that can show you where and what textile waste is available. That's a great idea. One thing that also kind of differentiates the where and it kind of stands out, it's the workshop, in my opinion. It's a very interesting idea. Because actually, me as a consumer, I can go to wear workshop and produce and see how the production or, you know, the creation of this uh, particular footwear, as you mentioned, currently is not available, but the bags are available to produce. Yeah. 
So you can see, you can touch different textile and see how it's made into a beautiful product. Yeah. Product. And some of the key activities that Lily Dreyer suggested to other entrepreneurs were stay open to opportunities. Seek opportunities. Seek opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned also, get a team. That's yeah. also to me. <laughs> but not particularly team members, but maybe as I understood, like-minded people around you that can supplement you on a vision that you have, right? Exactly. But also team members are great to have. Yeah, I've been very lucky to have like a co-founder and have like these advices, but I think, you know, it's, it's all about what is available to you and it doesn't have to be that it could also be a coach or someone else. It's always nice to have some people who support yeah. what you believe very, in, right? Yeah, very much. It's insane how much it means. And now let's hear from you basically how, where I can find you yeah. or the consumers can find where and maybe, you know, yeah. seek for, you know, maybe they can pre-order the upcoming. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah they actually, I, I'm, I'm very close to putting that button on the webpage. But yeah, I want to put that kind of call to action that you can sign up for, you know, an email or something as soon as we have like the product ready. But yeah, uh, you can find us on our webpage. That is www.sustainableware.com. And on Instagram, I would, uh, like it would be really cool if we were available on like all social media platforms. But right now it's probably, you know, you will find us on Instagram. You just write like at sustainableware. There we are. And that's probably where we post the most. And then we also have a Facebook page, which I will try to do better on. But yeah, I think that's, you know, I just got an email today from a girl who also found us at the CPS Entrepreneurial Fair who said like, hi, she was really interested in our idea. If we would like to maybe meet and have a talk about it, she studies sustainable development. And I was like, yeah, of course, like, you know, if you're super interested in this, just reach out to us, just write to us or email us on the webpage and, you know, we can meet and yeah. Great. It's always to have a bigger network. Yeah. Know? And it's, it's always great that some people reach out to you. Exactly. I think it's awesome. I'm quite like Brighten, honored. Brightens up the day. Yeah. I will thank you, Lily, for this lovely conversation. But before I'll say goodbye to you and the listeners, I want to hear about your experience, you know. How was your experience in a podcast? It was really fun. <laughs> it's the, so, as I told you, it's the first time that I've ever done a podcast and I know I'm going to cringe so hard when I listen to it myself. <laughs> I might not even listen to it. I'll get someone else to listen to it. No, I will I will listen to it, but it was it was really fun. Thank you very much. I I tried my best as always I do and <laughs> and I also hope that the listeners have enjoyed to hear more about the textile waste. I definitely did. And I will say goodbye to you Lily today. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>